Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Merry Christmas. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Merry Christmas. Turn to the person beside you and say, Merry Christmas. The other side, Merry Christmas. Go ahead and look around behind or the one in front. Get somebody to look them right in the eye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, we can't do that very often because it's Sunday. It's December 25th on a Sunday, but we can today. And so let's just declare Merry Christmas today. We were, um, during the worship time, there was a scripture that, that came to my mind in the last song. And I just wanted to read it. It, it, it screamed out from... Uh, uh, let me find it here again. From Luke chapter 2, or sorry, Luke chapter 1, and it was the story where Elizabeth and Mary were together. Uh, if you remember that Elizabeth went to the cousins, she stayed with her for a while. Uh, that was at, Elizabeth was already six months before Mary was conceiving Jesus, and Elizabeth prophesied over Mary. And this is, I, this to me was a word, I believe a word to the, to, the, to the body this morning, where part of the prophecy, she begins to, in a loud voice, verse 42, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, she's saying to Mary, blessed are you among women, uh, the child that you will bear, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She was, this is all Elizabeth. Why am I so favored that the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, which was John. Verse 45, this is, the, this is the one. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And I want to just change that because I believe this is a timeless, this is a timeless word. Blessed are they who believe that the Lord will fulfill his promises to you. Blessed are you. He still has promises. You're not going to bring forth the Messiah. That has happened. But blessed are you. I want to say it again. Blessed are you who have believed. You got, must believe. The promises don't come automatically. Blessed are you who have believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to you. And so you just hold that and stand on the promises of God. There's a lot of promises of God. Uh, not this Bible, but one of my other Bibles. I've written out a hundred promises that God has given all the texts. I've written them out. I review them regularly because there's a lot of promises still being fulfilled in our lives today. Not just happened at the coming of the Messiah, but still being fulfilled for those who are followers of Jesus. Blessed are you who believe, who believe in the promises. They will be fulfilled. So I just received that today. Well, welcome and glad, you know, I, this is a better turnout than I thought we were going to have today. Uh, we honestly, when we were planning the day, we thought, yeah, you know, nobody's going to come. Remember Bonnie and BJ, they're on our elder board, and we, we came this close to canceling having a service. And, uh, but we, we said, you know what, it's, it's Christmas Day. And, and one of the big things that motivated me was that not everybody has family to be with on Christmas morning. Uh, some of us are families in another country. Some of us are families too far away. Or some of us, maybe we don't have family uh, that we can go to. And so this is a family. It's called the family of God. 
And Jesus would identify in saying, you know, the family of God is the most important family. It really is, because you're going to spend eternity together. There's relatives of yours who are not followers of Jesus. You will not spend eternity together. And that's kind of sad. But you will spend eternity together with the family of God, those who are like faith in Christ forever and ever. And so uh, it just made sense that uh, let's get together and just have a time of family together, have a few minutes together. And so we've, um, we've shortened it up. I just wanted to have a lot of carol singing. So thank you, worship team, to bring us into some carol singing this morning. Uh, may this be your Christmas message. We have traditionally every Christmas morning, we would open up the scriptures to the scripture I'm about to open to you. And we would read it as a family, but doing it for years and years and years, it's tradition. Many of you have the same type of tradition. And so on Christmas morning, we can do that. You might have already done it, and that would be fantastic. But to do it again together is a wonderful thing as well. So let's do it. Go with me to Luke. This is probably the text that is most used on the Christmas story. Today, happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. I used to think when people would say that, it was a bit disrespectful. How do you say happy birthday to Jesus? He's the son of God. Isn't that a little disrespectful? Uh, he's the omnipotent, all-powerful, always present, always has been, will be God. How do you say happy birthday? I mean, he didn't. God, God wasn't birthed. And I used to struggle with that. But then I came to a better understanding of uh, the, the Trinity, and I came to a better understanding of Christology and soteriology, it's a couple terms, speak of how Christ, how God gave us his son, but Jesus didn't start 2,000 years ago. Jesus was, according to John 1.1, was in Genesis 1.1. According to John 1.1, Jesus was in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. And Jesus according to John, was the incarnate Christ who laid the foundations of this world. And so to be able to recognize there came an appointed time, a due time where God sent forth his son in human flesh. And that's what we are commemorating. And we don't have to get stuck on, did it happen on December 25th? We don't have to get stuck on that, you know. Uh, whether he was born in September or in October, or in December, he was born. He came, the Son of God, manifest in human flesh. Why? So that he would take our sins and bring us back to the Father in right relationship. He became that bridge back to the Father by becoming in human flesh. Only he became, the, referred to the second Adam, allowed us back into right relationship with the Heavenly Father. Because none of us were qualified. We were all sinners. But Jesus came yet without sin so that he could offer himself on, a, on my behalf, on your behalf, to the Father. Praise God. Praise God. So we could say, happy birthday, Jesus. Would you say it together with me? And let's do it like, like you know, if I, if, I were to say, if I were to say to Wilton, if it was his birthday today, I'd go, happy birthday, Wilton. Right? He'd be kind of like, wow, I really feel it, man. I really feel it. No, I'd say, happy birthday, Wilton, right? It would be like it's a joyous occasion. You're born after all. So let's, can we do that together at three? Happy birthday, Jesus. With like we mean it. One, two, three. 
Happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. Today we celebrate that. We celebrate that Jesus has come. So let's pick it up, Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to invite you to do one more thing. I want you to join me in reading this together. So with one voice, it's up in front of you. One voice, let's do this together. Ready? Audience participation. Let's do it together. Here we go. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cyrenius was governor over Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I thought what we would do, and I'm really glad that some of the children have joined us this morning for our time together. I thought, let's continue the rest of the passage from a child reading it. So let's watch this from a child reading the Christmas story. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So in this story, Happy Birthday, Jesus, that's really what I wanted to make the theme. Happy birthday, Jesus. History's a funny thing. History, by definition of history, you don't know history unless you can look back at it. There's an expression of, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the first word, it's not coming to me now, where we're trying to rewrite history. There's a, a thought that you can rewrite history. And I thought, that's preposterous. History's history, you can't rewrite it. But what you can do is you can change the narrative and make history look different. You can do that, and that's what we're doing very actively in societies around the world. We're changing the narrative, and now our histories look very different. You change the narrative of our history. Uh, early in the 19th century, 1809, uh, no one was there that is here today. 1809, newspapers around the world 
governments around the world, economies, communities, cities, nations, were watching with bated breath. 1809, what happened in 1809? Well, 1809 was the period of time that Napoleon was conducting his campaigns. He was marching with his armies, invading. There were battles. There was bloodshed from this French dictator as he pushed his way through Europe, 1809, Napoleon. It's a history lesson that some of you have maybe looked at, maybe you've not. You know what? During that time of 1809, when all the world was focused on, and the world was, every newspaper, the talk was Napoleon's campaigns, and when and how could he be stopped? When the world was focusing on that, uh, babies were born during that time. But who could think about babies? Because the focus, what was significant was Napoleon. That was the big item. Who could think about the nursery when there was such international turmoil? And yet, between Trafalgar and the Battle of Waterloo, there stole into this world a host of heroes. And I found this very interesting. A host of heroes that would shape humanity as it is today. Although Austria is the locality where in 1809 Napoleon swept through leaving blood on the streets and nobody really worried about those babies being born that year. But if you check the record, if you check your record, we are overlooking some terribly significant events. For instance, in 1809, William Gladstone was born. He was destined to become one of England's greatest statesmen who helped shape thought in 1809, Alfred Tennyson was born to an obscure minister and his wife. His impact was to change the course of history. He was a world-class poet during the time of Queen Victoria. It was in 1809, Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He grew up to become one of the most influential judges in history, putting a lot of laws that affect us today in place. This was during the time of Theodore Roosevelt. It was in 1809 that physician Darwin and his life and his wife named their, char, named their child Charles Roberts. That was an unfortunate day in that Charles Darwin was born 1809. 1809 cries from infants could be heard from a rugged log cabin in Hardin County, Kentucky of Abraham Lincoln. Funny though, only a handful of history buffs could name even one of Austrian's three campaigns. You know, the real history, the real history was being born. But in the hour, no one knew it. In the hour, what seemed significant was Napoleon's bloodbath. The significance so easily gets lost in the insignificant. Things that take over, that consume our mind, our thought, our attention. This was 2,000 years ago at the time of Jesus' birth. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was, was born. No one, no one at that time, the Roman Empire could care less about a baby in Bethlehem. 
they could care less. Why? Because Rome ruled the world. And that was where history was being made. All thought was history rolls out of Rome, is on the Roman road. It's history. But it wasn't. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. We read it earlier. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. That's very significant. We roll through that so quickly, but understanding the times, I hope I can bring a little bit of light to that today. Rome was a massive empire. The prominent name in the era of that moment was Caesar Augustus. He was top dog. And in the midst of Rome's superpower, there was a little finger of land struggling for existence along the Mediterranean called Palestine. Called Palestine. Augustus put his approval on Publius Cyrenius, who lived in Syria. The machinery would make that Judea would become one day a Roman province. The idea was that they were going to take all these little provinces. It was annexing everything. We continue to have that problem today in places in the world where superpowers attempt to take over the smaller powers. Rome was doing that. It had taken massive territory. But what they were wanting to do was not just have a separate territory. They were going to bring it under the umbrella of Rome. To do that, a couple of things had to take place. One, Augustus had to take the power away from the Jews in Palestine and put it into the hands of the Romans. No more power figures in Palestine. Secondly, in order to make this Palestinian Jewish little province part of Rome, he would have to tax the people heavily to get them in line with the empire's taxation. So they were nailed with this huge amount of tax. And these two things would bring them to the place where they were lined up so that he could bring them in to being part of Rome. And to the world, it seemed unfair, and it was unfair. And everyone's mind, back in that day, that was what was significant. The world was being swallowed up by Rome and the taxation and the annexing of all these small provinces. But I want to suggest this morning, we're here today, that history was being made in a whole different area. You see, what seems significant today, most of you and I kind of go, well, who cares what happened back in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago? Because what really changed the world and eternity was what was born in that day. You see, the significant gets lost. The real significance gets lost in the insignificant because what's insignificant can be so overwhelming in the moment. And yet, significant, there would be born in the little tiny hamlet called Bethlehem. It was a taxation town, Jesus of Nazareth. This is a good spot to leave Dr. Luke for a moment and go back to a prophet. The prophet's name is Micah. And Micah existed 800 years before this event. 800 years. 800 years before, we go to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, 800 years before Caesar made the taxation decree that everybody would have to come to this taxation town called Bethlehem in order to be taxed, 800 years before, 
Caesar would issue this, that there would be this Jewish couple who would leave Nazareth, make an 80-mile trek to Bethlehem for the sole purpose of taxation census. 800 years before, we pick it up, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Let's read it. Here's the prophecy by Micah. But you, Bethlehem, Euphrates, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you, Bethlehem, will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old, Genesis 1, from ancient times, prophecy, 800 years before it all happened. Now, the word Bethlehem, anybody know what that means? It means house of bread. Bethlehem means house of bread. It's a Hebrew. Very significant that out of the house of bread would be him who would be the bread of life. Bethlehem is as insignificant as a loaf of bread. Yet the Lord predicted through this minor prophet 800 years prior that Bethlehem would be a famous place. Today, December 25, Bethlehem is the most famous place on earth. And yet it barely existed but a few little homes 800 years before Jesus was born. Out of Bethlehem. It's the most central place on earth. There's a picture here in front of you of Bethlehem today if you were to go to Bethlehem. It's not very big. You know, the, the, the weirdness of all that, let me try to illustrate this. We have a newly appointed king. We're part of the Commonwealth, King Charles. Some of you follow that more than others. It would be like this. It would be like, by the way, this didn't happen, but it would be like King Charles of England predicting today when he does his speech that someone from the hamlet of Snowball, anybody know where Snowball is? There's a little town called Snowball. It's the funniest little place. Just about, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes west of here. And if you blink, you go through it. Like it's a little tiny, and, I, and I, uh, we have somebody who lives right near, and I tease them all the time about their little hamlet called Snowball. So it would be like King Charles getting up today and predicting that someone from the hamlet of Snowball in the year 2800 would be world famous. The odds of that are just comparable. You see, at the time of Micah's warning, no one cared. No one cared. But looking back today, the spotlight of history, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The spotlight of history is not on Rome today. It's not on Rome. It's on Bethlehem. God does not live by today's breaking news reports. Praise God. He lives by himself. He is God. He is the great I am. He lives by who he is. What you can't see, he sees. What you chuck up to be coincidental, like you being here in this community. Those of you maybe visiting family, we welcome. We're glad that you're with family today with us for this service. But many of you are from this community, from Aurora, from Newmarket, from Richmond Hill, from where you've maybe come in from, wherever you're from. You're from this community. And I want to say to you, it's not coincidental. It's not coincidental that God has you here in 2022. God has something planned for you and I that we don't presently see. You must understand that. And live with the expectation of his plans. Because 2,000 years ago, what was 
apparently significant was not. What was insignificant was. What in our lives might seem so significant might not be so significant. And if we could get our side, ourselves lined up with the God's significant plans, his eternal plans, they're the things that last forever and ever. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, verse 2, this was the first census that took place while Cyrenius was governor in Syria. So easy to get caught up in the insignificant today. You know, Bethlehem back then was not a resort town. It was just a hamlet. Historians tell us that it was possible that travelers slept in the streets during heavy taxation time. In the midst of all this, this is where Joseph and Mary would travel that huge trek from Nazareth to bring and having to, to be very pregnant, to come to, with their taxes, to pay their taxes. And it was here in this little town, Mary would have her little lamb. Remember the prophecy of Micah, it had to happen in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph did not travel to Bethlehem because they were reading the prophet. They traveled because Rome had issued a tax. They said, how could Caesar have ever known that census was fulfilling prophecy that day? How could this man, who was in many ways a bit of a, a brutal taskmaster, how could he know he was part of God's great plan, bringing about Christ? Mary would have her little lamb. Her little lamb. And that little lamb that she would have borne her would be destined for sacrifice. Did you ever wonder why God didn't send angels to Rome to announce it? Rome was the big spot. Rome was the capital of the world. He didn't send the angels to Rome. He sent the angels to a group of lowly shepherds. I have a question for you. It's not a trick question. What do shepherds do? Somebody tell me. They look after sheep. Shepherds look after sheep. It's their vocation. God sent his angels to announce the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world, to shepherds, not Caesar, to shepherds, to shepherds. Shepherds who look after sheep. Many scholars believe the sheep that they were looking after were sheep that were destined for slaughter. So do you see how all this fits? That God would send the great message heralding the coming of Christ, the Messiah, to shepherds, not Caesar, to shepherds who were watching over sheep who were on their way to be slaughtered because they would get up and herald Jesus' birth, glory to God on the highest. Because Jesus, Mary's little lamb, was also in the same course of destiny on the way to the slaughterhouse for your and my sins. He would go and he would lay his life down as a lamb to the slaughter, innocent to the slaughter for you, for me. And it all began to take place on that day. What a perfect group, actually, to announce the birth of God's Son. 1 Corinthians chapter 127, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Allow me to paraphrase it. God has chosen the Lamb of Mary to bring to nothing the authority of Rome. It's what he does. And things have not changed much today. I'll admit when I travel on the streets and into the malls, turn on the television, 
look on the phone, iPad. I don't hear a whole lot about Jesus Christ. I hear a whole lot about shopping. I hear a whole lot of advertisement. I don't hear a whole lot about Jesus. You know what seems so significant today? I challenge you. Eternity is not significant. What is significant is Christ. What is significant is Christ in me, Emmanuel. God is with us. Significance so easily is smothered by insignificance. We can so easily, you and I, I get in the web of this, get caught up in the insignificant things like buying and selling, ching, ching, tax register. I got to get somebody a gift. There's a Christmas party. There's things going on. And we get caught up in that. We get caught up. We, get, we roll with, it's like Rome 2,000 years ago. We get caught up in the swell of what seems so important. And society, the system pulls us in like a tsunami into what seems to be significant. But it's not. What is significant is Christ alive in me and in you. Who can worry about him when history is being made at the cash registers, people would say. Or really, is it? Today, this year, let's herald the significance of Christ. Our Messiah, the good news Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let's do some drastic things in our lives, maybe, to once again put back into place Mary's little lamb. Sometimes it gets bumped off of the nativity scene because of what seems to be big and significant. I exhort you today to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Look at ways to do that. Today, tomorrow, this week, this month, as we move into January, this new year, so again, we say, happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. We know the significance of all that that entails. And we refuse to get sucked into the insignificant. We need to make what is significant foremost in our lives. There's a hymn that we love to sing. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. Oh, I love that. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Glory to the newborn king. I'm going to invite you as we close with that song I've asked. They're going to have the temple picked up a little bit because this is a glorious song. We join with the angelic host. The most significant thing, Christ is born. He's our Messiah. He is the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. I invite you today, if you've not opened your heart to the Jesus, not as the baby, Jesus as the Savior, Jesus as the Messiah, then do so. Invite you to open your heart, give your life and surrender to him. And make the most significant thing be your most significant thing this Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.